my original question was, do you watch it as a release for your fetish porn for as fetish for fetish porn? No. And you kind of do because you watch it for their attractiveness, which means that you are attracted to the wrestlers that are performing. I don't watch it. I don't think about fetish porn when I'm watching women's wrestling. No, I debate that. I think <laughs> when you're watching one of the girls, if you're fantasizing whether or not you'd like to jump in the ring and have a threesome with them or something like that, then like you'd be like, you know, you can see Tim <laughs> Durbin <laughs> runs up to the top rope and takes his clothes off and just tries to do Super a, like a double splash. <laughs> Welcome to the Mike Durban Show, episode number 44. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, I got to cut a promo on some people right now. Uh, This is something I've noticed a lot lately, and it seems to be millennials, but I don't know where the fuck this started, but it it fucking annoys me to no end. And it's going to seem like something so basic. Most of you probably don't even notice it. Um, (laughs) I'm seeing people type something like write a sentence out or a tweet and then instead of putting the punctuation right after the word they'll make a space or sometimes even two spaces so they'll say whatever bullshit they have to say and then they'll space a couple times and then put three explanation marks or a period or a comma people listen to me this is not the way to do it this is not right i don't know where you learn this from it's not it's not the way to do things okay stop The punctuation goes right after the word. Since I'm going on this path, another thing, the dollar sign goes before the number, okay? It doesn't go after the number, it goes before. And last week I saw, the. this is the first time I've seen it, somebody put a percentage sign and then the number. No, the percentage sign goes after the number. This is basic stuff, people. Stop doing it, please. If you are one of these people, please DM me or tweet me. Let me know why are you doing this. Why are you putting a space between the word and your punctuation? Explain it to me. It's not proper. Stop. All right. On this show, I have uh, my guest, Hughesley. You all know Hughesley. If you don't listen to the It's Hughesley Hello show, what's wrong with you? Check it out. It's on the Creative Control Network. It's an amazing show. Very funny. Most of the time, he's got great song picks, and I'm on there a lot. Another show that I'm on is the Grappler Gazette. I was on this week. Go in iTunes, Spreaker, wherever they're, wherever you find your podcast, put in the Grappler Gazette. You know the Grapplers. They're awesome. They're funny. They have an amazing new podcast. It's so well done. Uh... I'd say it's got better production value than my show. So whoever's doing it, if it's Grappler 6 or 7 or Ocho, you guys are doing a fucking awesome job. So keep it up. And thank you for having me on the show this week. But getting back to this show, uh, there's a little segment. I was also on Keeping It 100 this week uh, on the Keeping It 100 Patreon roundtable with Conan and the Disco Inferno. And I was on there for about two hours with Kevin Mari and Carlos. We had a great time. And there will be a little excerpt from that, and I'm going to put it in this show. 
It's me talking with Disco Inferno and Conan about women's wrestling. Check out the Keep It 100 Patreon. You can sign up at Conan.me. It's one of the best Patreons out there, and it's run by Joe Feeney. All right, follow me on social media if you would be so kind. On Twitter, I'm at Mike Durband, D-U-R-B-A-N-D. My Instagram is Mike underscore Durband underscore show. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Michael Durband. All right, let's check in with Conan and the Disco Inferno. But first, here's some words from my sponsors. Thank you. You, Mike? Uh, I only follow women's wrestling, so Shotzi Blackheart and Santana Garrett both got picked up Are by you NXT. Serious? Yes, I am. You only they both follow got women's wrestling. Yep. Why? Pro wrestling, women's pro wrestling is a fetish porn for you? No, I just if I'm gonna go watch something, I, I I went to Rise and I went to Shimmer when I met Conan. Like that's the only thing I'm gonna go to. I'm not gonna go to a SmackDown or MLW. Well, only anymore. watch women's wrestling. You don't watch you don't watch the other stuff. I watch. I'll go see it live. Like I don't watch any wrestling on TV at all. Nothing. But live, you'll go watch women wrestle. Yeah, twice a year. You Shimmer think comes women here. Women wrestlers are good wrestlers. The girls on Shimmer are way better workers than anything you'll see on AEW or WWE main roster. I get for it. Sure. You for sure. For sure. I'll send you. Post I'll send you some match. matches. Post a match or send me one of thing. I, I will look and I'll tell. I since I'm a trained professional. I'll tell you these girls whether these girls know how to work or not. I don't care um, about their work rate. I care about their character, what they look like. It's a I'll whole package. It. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My original question was, do you watch it as a release for your fetish porn for as fetish for fetish porn? No. And you kind of do because you watch it for their attractiveness, which means that you are attracted to the wrestlers that are performing. I don't watch it. I don't think about fetish porn when I'm watching women's wrestling. No, I debate that. I think when you're watching one of the girls, if you're fantasizing whether or not you'd like to jump in the ring and have a threesome with them or something like that, then like you'd be like, you know, you can see Tim <laughs> Durbin <laughs> runs up to the top rope and takes his clothes off and just tries to do, Super a, do like a double splash. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, Durbin. So tell me two girls from Shimmer that you think should be in the uh, in the major leagues. Well, I mean, at the last time Shimmer came here, they had Shotzi Blackheart. It was her All right, last... you already you already yeah. mentioned her, and the um, other chick Santana was already there. Somebody knew. You know what? They all got called up. Like Shazza McKenzie, she just went to AEW. She's from Australia. Right. She's really good. Um, uh, Conan, you know Mercedes Martinez, right? Right. She's been picked up. Yeah, she, she was at the last Shimmer. She just got picked right. up. Uh, another, probably my favorite one that hasn't gotten picked up, Solo Darling. Solo Darling. I know who that is. You do? Yeah. Which what Conan, what you need to do is grab this chicken and then hey, get you Mexico. I'll make it a two wrestling champion, baby. <laughs> they all go through shimmer at some point. Every so girl out of these thirty, fifty girls that go through shimmer that you've seen live or on tape, is there yeah. anybody that should be in a main uh, you know, that you give props to that you're like, bro, look out for this girl. I don't know them right now. They're, they okay, all I wasted dude, a lot of time. And you can't every girl, up. every girl that I thought that was good on the last uh, round of tapings, they all got signed in the last three months. Maybe you should ask Shimmer if you could be a talent scout for them. Put in the word for me. You know the guy. <laughs> then, then you, then I won't. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, was that a, that was almost a demand? He didn't say, "Hey, could, yeah. could you?" I think it's working. Well, you what heard he the response. Straight. Yeah, the response. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that's happening. 
This is Dr. Ocho of the Brothers Grappler. You're listening to the Mike Durban Show on the Creative Control Network. Once you're caught up with him, jump on over to the Grappler Gazette. Take a wacky ride with El Americano 6, El Americano 7, and myself, Dr. Ocho, as we provide the latest stories from our rock-solid insider sources. Download the Grappler Gazette on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. We are dirtier than the dirt sheets. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Go to BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, there's a special deal for the listeners of the Mike Durban Show. Just go over to BlueChew.com, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code, Durband, D-U-R-B-A-N-D. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code Durband to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Mike Durband Show. would love to welcome back to the show one of my favorite guests from the great it's Hughesy hello show Hughesley. what's up mike all right i'm gonna rip off Hughesley again and i'm gonna do one of his top five music segments here but this I'd is like a band to, uh, interrupt you there i'd like to point out that mike just uh, had a few audio plugs that he edited out yeah mike's not one of these people who boasts about his editing ability and literally botches while boasting about his editing ability and keeps those mistakes in. So those guys have no sense of loyalty in this business, there, man. Welcome to the wrestling podcast. Yes, it's the and will never do any business with anyone from the CCN. How fat can a person get while staying alive? <laughs> I don't have time for gym work. With my method success of podcasting and playing Mario for 77 hours, it's, life is tough. 
All right, so we're doing one of my favorite bands ever. Somehow we have not done this on your show. We'll see why. You'll explain yourself. This is one of my favorite bands, Kings of Leon. So go ahead and explain yourself because you got a, a, a twisted view on this band. Yeah, I remember when the Kings of Leon first album came out. I can't remember what year it was. It was like after 2005 or something. And I thought, holy shit, because this came out at a time when I really hated uh, modern music. I didn't like the hard rock that was out there. I thought rap is terrible. Dance had just turned into this shit. Pop music was so generic and plain. Uh, indie rock had all gone to shit. And uh, I, I was really becoming quite bitter with it. And Kings of Leon's first album came out. It was brilliant. The second album was brilliant. And then the third album came out, and it was and it was not only even better, but it was this huge hit. And I remember thinking, "Holy fuck, this band's only just been around, or only just started, and they're one of my top ten favorite ever." But then the problem was they brought out their fourth album, I think, that had "Sex on Fire" on it, yeah. which was already like mm, not for me. But they were massive over here, and they booked a, a huge tour. Of playing like Wembley Stadium, the, the Millennium Stadium in Wales, which holds uh, 95,000 people. And they played at Slane Castle down in Ireland, which holds 85,000. And I went to it, and it was one of the worst fucking gigs ever. They were so shit, which I'll get more into during my list. And it, there was such a dull atmosphere that there was literally tens of thousands of people leaving while the, the gig was still happening. Like, you could you could see them all going because uh, it was so boring. And then what makes it even worse, they went from being this cool, edgy, sort of attitude, swaggery rock band to being, like, U2 ripoffs, but not of classic U2, of modern U2, the, the dodgy, lazy, radio-friendly shit. And the thing that's crazy is that Kings of Leon seem to keep churning out these albums and nobody cares, not even... Uh, dumb girls. Well, that's where you're wrong. I care. <sighs> yeah, I never got to see them live, unfortunately. I had a ticket to see them in, I think, 2011. Yeah, so of course the singer Nathan Followill decided that was a good time to go into rehab and cancel the entire tour and not reschedule it, so I have never seen one of my favorite bands live, ever. So you've explained your story. I love this band. The first time I, I ever became aware of them, uh, it was like 2007. This girl that I at my old job, uh, she came up to me one day at work and she had the CD with the broken light bulb on it. Which one's that? Because of the times? Yeah. She came up to me and she had the CD in her hand and she said, have you heard the new Kings of Leon album? And I said, no, I'd never heard any of their music. So she gave it to me. That night, I went home and I listened to it, and I put it on, and it, it was fucking amazing. Like, I'd never heard a singer sound like that. Uh, it opens up with that real slow, what, what's that, is it Knocked Up? Yeah, that album opens up with Knocked Up, and it's just like this really mysterious, creepy-sounding song, and it kicks in later on. It's fucking amazing, man. So right away, I listened to the entire album, loved it, and uh, every album after that, I just love more and more, so... Yeah, that, the thing about them that people forget is when they came out, they were complete alternative, uh, like really eccentric band, and they were very, very cool. And then the bigger they got, the more generic they got. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, de it definitely changed a lot over the years. So what do you got in there at number five? 
Right, at number five, uh, I see this is one of the songs that really made me love them. This is one of their later-ish. This is just before the, the breakdown. Number five, I'm going with Crawl. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about Crawl is, uh, while I do love a lot of King to Leon stuff, the thing that really got me into them was their sort of attitude, their swagger. And this is a very cool sort of, uh, I don't know what to call it, like a bass shift. Yeah, it's a bass. And this was stolen and ripped off by the Foo Fighters for a song called Laddie Da off their last album, mm-hmm. Concrete and Gold, which was fucking terrible, but the song was great. And uh, I love this song. And one of the problems, which I was mentioning earlier, uh, Kings of Leon don't have many sort of heavy songs or uh, like attitude songs. They played this second in on the set list it's slain after after another song and it's like right, well what have you got left and then it was just like sort of then two hours of mid-tempo soft pop rock songs and it's like well, there we go but crawl i love and it's from a very shit album yeah i love this song this is also my number five coincidentally i'm a bass player this song starts off with a distorted bass riff and it's fucking awesome man and it just um the guitars that come in after it and build up it's fucking awesome man and uh jared followell he you know he's the youngest one in the band he's the he's the baby brother he i don't think he really played instruments at all when they were starting the band up and he picked up the bass and he just got really good at it right away and i love this guy's uh, his bass lines every song has a really unique bass line it's not something i could ever come up with it's so bizarre his his style is so weird but it fits perfectly, and uh, the, you know the two guitarists in the band—it's the singer and then uh, their cousin. All these guys are just fucking brilliant, man. Certainly are. Uh, what do you got in there for number four? Number four, it is the bucket. Again, see the thing about songs like this is—I uh, don't know if you ever heard of a TV show over here called Gavin and Stacey, this James Corden fuckface sitcom. Terrible. A lot of these songs got overexposed. I, I love this song, The Bucket, and I love the, the do-do-do-do, and then the drums, and uh, yeah, always good for party music, always good for uh, a bit of fun. Love this from a good album called Aha, Shake Heartbreak, which appears quite a few times on this album. <clears throat> so for number four, I have the song Mary from Come Around Sundown. No reaction from you. No, uh, that album was good, but see, they did the, the thing about that album that made no sense to me, which is something that I don't know if you know, uh, if you're a fan of uh, Florence and the Machine. Nope. You don't like them or not a fan? Uh, neither. Oh, <laughs> same thing. <really>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her last album, which was an insane move in that they put out this completely chilled out, slow paced album for the summer it's like nobody's gonna buy that why would anybody want some chilled out acoustic shit you know and the same with this album come around sundown which i did like mostly but uh too much slow stuff when you're in the stadium uh, scene yeah i love this song it, um it's like a kind of like a 50s doo-wop song but it's done in their style it's got great background vocals um great bass line as usual fucking awesome man everybody check this one out so Hughesley what do you got in there for number three 
Uh, number three, this is another one of Aha, Shake, Heartbreak. This is King of the Rodeo. Okay. And it's one of those ones that uh, this is like a, a, a men's drinking song. And that uh, you can just tell this is like the boys who just left the first bar or maybe a bit. But uh, now we're going into the next bar and we've moved on from beers to spirits and we're drinking the whiskey and then we're, uh, we're all dressed up with good haircuts. Love this song, love the, the attitude and especially isn't this one with the ending? It's like, good times to roll on! Good times to roll on! Good times to yeah. all that. So it just makes it right. We're going and it's a party and only two and a half minutes long. Yeah. Uh, great bass line again. It's got a, it's a really fast bass line. It drives the song. All right, for number three. Number three is from probably my favorite album by them, Mechanical Bull. I think this came out in 2013. This came out when I was living in California. So whenever I put this album on, it brings me back to that time. Uh, this is a song called Tonight. It's uh, kind of a ballad. It's a very, it's a slower song. It's beautiful, man. Beautiful. You know this one? No. Uh, no. This was after, uh, no, after I'd seen that Come Around Sundown show live. Yeah. I hated it so much that I haven't listened to any Kings of Leon since then because I thought, fuck them. And I and they apparently haven't changed much. This entire album to me is it's flawless. It's amazing. So I lived in downtown Los Angeles and then I worked in Venice Beach. So it's like a 45 minute drive. So every morning I used to start at 7 a.m. I'd drive out to Venice Beach. I'd take the highway and I used to time it perfectly that when I got off the highway, I would take a little detour. I'd take the, the scenic route to work, and I'd ride along the uh, ocean. There's a little oceanfront drive, and I used to uh, sync it up perfectly so this song would play as as I got on that path to work. So I'd have the sun coming up. Uh, the waves would be crashing. The uh, the sun was rising. It was beautiful, man. The last like two months of my working there, I did this every single day, and uh, it was beautiful, man. Yeah, they, they're very, um, especially when it comes to my next pick, they're a very summary band. Yeah. What do you got in there for number two? At number two, I've got Back Down South from the album Come Around Sundown. Yes. Uh, this is very much a, uh, a barbecue. This is, you know, after the barbecue, and people maybe are probably having a drink and a, and a bit of a smoke and a bong and a blintz, creep and a pancake. Uh, people are would be chilling out as the sun's going down so it's like that sort of pink sky at night thing yeah and uh, I love the the vibe of this song the sort of atmosphere the sort of sing along it's more like like if I, if I could play guitar everyone would get them around come yeah if, if this came out at a different time period I think this would have been like a major major mainstream hit like a timeless classic song it, um, it, it this should be an anthem, you know. But for whatever reason, this was like the third or fourth single, I think, off that album. Oh, I didn't even know it was a single. Yeah, there's a video for it. Check it out. Yeah, but uh, I, I love this song, and uh, I think it's the second best. Yeah, you know what? Uh, there's a video for it, and it should be the way you describe it. It should be a bunch of, uh, of everybody gathering around the campfire, playing acoustic guitars. But I think it's just them in a bar. For number two, also from the Mechanical Bull album, uh, I think this was the first single. This is called Super Soaker. 
You oh. had to. You had to have heard this one. Yeah, uh, is this the one that has that sort of like false ending, and then it has this one last sort of like heavy riff thing, like thing? No. Then uh, I have not heard this song. I don't know why it's called Super Soaker. Did you ever have Super Soakers in Ireland, the water gun? Yeah, we had Super Soakers, but they mostly used these days for you fill them full of uh, tequila. Uh, but I, I, I fucking hate spirits. I love the bass line in this song. Again, Jared Folliwell, one of my favorite bass players. This song is perfect, man. I love it. I it's, remember, uh, it's, another, it's another song for the summer. Like I would love to blast this in the summertime. I remember it was around this time that they got in a lot of heat because they wouldn't allow one of their songs to be on uh, Glee. Good. And, of course, that somehow made them homophobes. Ah. It's like, why? Because you don't want the song and the shit show? Yeah. All right, well, the time has come. Hughesley, what is your number one favorite Kings of Leon song? Uh, number one, it's Four Kicks. Uh, I remember hearing this song, and it's and the thing is, it's only two minutes, ten seconds. Uh, I th- Probably less. It's fucking mind-blowing, and it's so catchy, but this is the song that's with Kill the Gig at Slane Castle. Because they, they played this first and the, the whole place went fucking mad because it was so high energy. People were like, yes, this is fucking, you know, the huge speakers, the whole place going nuts. Then they played Crawl and then uh-huh. it was like two hours of slow tempo, chilled out shit. And it's like, this is really boring. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't suitable for a stadium, for an open air venue that size. And it's a shame because this song is so cool, and the drums and the bass and the fucking guitar solo, and the voice, the lyrics—it's just—it's a—it's a, a perfect, it's high quality rock and roll, there, man. Yeah, they did this at the O2 in England. It's on that Blu-ray. They did Crawl, and then they did Four Kicks right after that. Mm. Oh, fucking awesome, man! It is, but uh, they—they they, uh, but I think one of the problems they've had which is how it happened with follow-up albums from what I understand is they worked so hard to get success and then they got it so now they're trying to maintain it yeah. by going overly radio-friendly, commercial sound and they're not doing the, the sort of cool shit that actually made them popular in the first place which, yeah. obviously, I get it they're, they're the ones playing the stadiums, not me Have you ever seen their documentary, Talahina Sky? No, I've actually would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, you should check it out. Everyone should check it out. It's uh, it's their story. It's how they came up. They were uh, they were the sons of a preacher, a traveling preacher. He'd go across the Bible Belt and preach, and that was their life. They became a band at some point. They added their cousin, and they don't explain how they got a record contract, but they got one. And then they go to England. They become huge there, and then all of a sudden they're big here. So check out the documentary. The song that is my number one favorite of all time, it is at the end of the film. The movie's over, and then they show the band in, uh, it was probably in the O2 arena. They're sitting in a circle. It's at the. It's probably in the afternoon, the day of the show, and they set up little amps, and then they have a camera, and they spin it around in a circle. And they play an alternate version of their song, Talahina Sky. And it's like a really, really laid back very uh very chilled out version of it and it is fucking beautiful man i'm listening to it right now it makes me want to weep 
But I encourage you to listen to this song. The uh, There's like a recorded version of it. It's on their B-Sides and Rarities album. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> the original version, I think it's on the first or second album. It's actually a hidden track. It's, I uh, want to hear Kings of Leon Rarities. Like, I want to hear two <laughs> Marks talk about wrestling toys and, and belts and stuff for uh, 40 minutes long. There, man. Well, that'll do it. That is my favorite song by Kings of Leon. This song, it brings back uh, memories of a really good night from uh, 2011. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, Hughesley, for the one person that doesn't know where to find you on Twitter, where can we find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at at the H-U-G-H-E-Z-Y. I have been using Instagram much lately because I gained a lot of weight at Christmas. I'm slowly, slowly getting it back. But also, if you want to see me talk to peeps, then go to Husey Entertainment on YouTube. You get to see the highlights of all my uh, specific, and I don't know why I said specific, I meant hilarious and interesting video topics with many guests there, man. Uh, and by the time this comes out, check out my interview with Vince Russo that I did, that I genuinely think is the best episode that I've ever done so far. Yes, and um, something that warms my heart now is that Conan is actually showing his appreciation for the work that you do on the Keep It at 100 YouTube page. Before, he would totally dismiss it. He would just blow you off. But now, for some reason, maybe it's the, the new year, 2020, he wants to start off on a positive note, but he's giving you credit and praise now. I think it's because I actually help promote the fucking thing. Yeah. And that, that's and I, I take in higher uh, responsibility and credit for the success of Keeping It 100. Yeah, that's accurate. And we can find that at Keeping It 100 Official. Keeping on It YouTube. 100 Official. There's usually one to two uploads a day. Uh, comments are always welcomed and encouraged, but the problem is you're all fucking idiots. All right, Hughesley, I want to thank you for coming back to the Mike Durban Show. We'll see you on down the road. Okay. Well, that's the show, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. I want to thank my guests this week, Hughesley, Conan, and the Disco Inferno. Don't forget to follow me on social media. Please check out my sponsors. Get some Blue Chew. It's a great time to get it during this uh, quarantine. I want to thank Joe Feeney, Vince Russo, the Grapplers. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. Please, everyone... Keep practicing social distancing and stay home. Bye for now. Live long and prosper.